0: Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by USBets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets managing editor and media director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist John Brennan. And I've started compiling a list of rules for getting better at gambling on the NFL uh, through seven episodes of this podcast. I have three rules so far one, ignore all historical stats regarding 16 and a half point favorites, uh, two, don't do parlays, and three, Don't go head to head with John Brennan on Fast Five picks. What do you think of these rules, John?
1: I would say yes, yes, and maybe. Um, (laughs) I got to tell you, there was a there was some bad karma from you. uh, for not being a team player in week one, uh, I, I noted that we were seven and three in week one. And you said, oh, we stand alone here. I'm four and one, you're three and two. I mean, you were just begging for the beating you've gotten the last couple of weeks. <laughs>
0: you're, you're probably right. Although, again, in my mind, the whole concept of it was that this was a head-to-head competition and the, the shared bankroll is, is a different sort of thing. Uh, but, yeah, you, you may be right. There, There could be karma biting me on this one.
1: Exactly.
0: Um, So a quick note before we get any further here. Uh, John is on the road uh, in Washington, D.C., for reasons that we will address shortly. Um, So we apologize for the... Less clean than usual sound, but uh, I think it's uh, clean enough to proceed with the podcast here. And uh, we want to thank everybody out there for joining us for episode number eight of Gamble On. If you want to contact us on Twitter, use the handle at U.S. underscore bets. And please subscribe to the show on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple podcast app uh, where we appreciate your ratings and reviews. You can even make fun of my NFL picks in your review if you want, as long as you give us that five star rating.
1: Okay, Eric. And later in the show, we're going to be joined by Donnie Peters. He's the operations manager at sharpside.com and the co founder of Gridiron Iron Gamble. So we'll be talking about NFL betting with Donnie, obviously. But first, we have a couple other segments to get to. So uh, let's start the show. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling.
0: our first story this week is a follow-up on our first story from last week. Uh, Mere hours after we recorded last week's podcast and discussed the FanDuel sportsbook glitch that saw temporary 750 to 1 in-game betting odds on the Denver Broncos, the story changed dramatically when FanDuel agreed to pay out all wagers on the erroneous odds and even give away an extra $82,000 in random bonus cash. Uh, By the rules, they didn't have to do it Uh, in the U.K., The rules are that all bets are voided. In the rules governing FanDuel Sportsbook in the U.S., they pay winning bets at the true odds, in this case, minus 600. But out of the goodness of their hearts, they spent a couple hundred thousand dollars making everyone happy. Uh, Of course, it's not just out of the goodness of their hearts. It's promotion. It's publicity. It's goodwill. We talked about the bad optics last week. Now we have a total reversal of optics. Uh, So, John... Uh, How surprised were you, if at all, that FanDuel gave away money? It didn't have to give away. And is there any real downside to their decision?
1: Well, I think what's so interesting is that more than 48 hours after the uh, mistake was made, um, they still had put out some uh, press release saying that they were not going to pay it. And this is why. And it was unfortunate, but that's life. Um, And so... Clearly, the net, by the next day, the amount of negative publicity they got. And you know, I mentioned last week that even GolfDigest.com had a story on it. So right. uh, that's pretty universal right there. So um, so that's a little surprising. Um, there's no downside to the money in the sense that uh, this company and, uh, and DraftKings, they've spent hundreds of millions of dollars on TV ads. I mean, a couple hundred thousand is a rounding error for them. <laughs> but uh, the only downside I can see is that they have to get the message out that this won't work next time. You know, there's no point in spending all this money and then running into more bad optics uh, in a couple of weeks. So, I actually went by the Meadowlands racetrack where this bet was made in the in twice in the next few days after that and I didn't see any new signage. Um so it's interesting to see how they handle that um because it's it's fine for them to say listen we did this thing we didn't have to we're we're nice guys but you know we're not chumps and so no offense but uh you know for mistakes made again you won't get your money. They got to figure out a way to say that a little better without using the word chump I think.
0: <laughs> right, probably don't want chump in your signage but uh yeah, I you know the the big upside uh here is is that uh, I think it definitely gets them more new signups in New Jersey uh, than any paid advertisement would. Um, But uh, I I think you you hit upon the exact – uh, downside that, that I would focus on is is the precedent that it sets. Um, you know, and I, I know they've gone out of their way to warn everyone that this is a one-time thing uh, next time we're following our own rules, but there are going to be people who don't know about this, who will feel ripped off, who will complain. Uh, you know, there are potential PR problems down the road if there are more glitchy odds. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's about the only real downside I see. Otherwise it's all upside. It's all Good for Fanduel uh, and the industry, really, that they spent this money. And uh, this is what you hinted at: is that uh, you're talking about a company valued uh, as of July? They were valued at 465 million dollars. Uh, I assume that's only gone up since mobile sports betting started. They can take a little six-figure hit.
1: No, oh, yeah, they're, it's uh, they're definitely gone up, and they're probably going up beyond that. I mean, the numbers are going to be terrific uh, for September once we get them in a couple of weeks. Yeah.
0: All right, moving on to our second story. Uh, As noted uh, a few minutes ago, uh, you are in Washington, D.C., as we record this podcast. Uh, The reason is that uh, a few hours ago, you were among what was apparently a small media contingent uh, covering not the most watched hearing in town as a house of representatives subcommittee met this morning to discuss the notion of federal oversight on sports betting uh the supreme court reversed paspa back on may 14th but for some folks that wasn't the end of the conversation so we had about a 90 minute hearing this morning we were told early on by representative jerry nadler that it would be the first of many hearings uh the quote unquote experts speaking included at least two people who are very opposed to the way things are being run state-by-state by, state by right now, and at least two people who are in favor of the state-by-state state framework. Nothing was resolved by any means, just a lot of opinions flying around. Give me your biggest takeaways and observations, John.
1: Well, number one has to be, I think, Committee Chairman Sensenbrenner of Wisconsin uh, congratulating his Brewers on reaching the postseason, and predicting that they would win the World Series, uh, thereby <laughs> echoing my futures bet from uh, an earlier <laughs> podcast from August. <laughs> I think <laughs> but, what's
0: your biggest takeaway might not be um, everybody else's biggest takeaway in this case. Okay,
1: so I'll give you a couple of I'll give you a couple others uh, okay. as well. That, um yeah, it was kind of downhill from there. Um, the thing I noticed that struck me the most is that. This is kind of a roundup to usual suspects from years past. Um, and the, the landscape has changed so much in five years that, you know, a lot of the concerns about um, uh, compulsive gambling problem, gambling, the illegal welfare books, I mean, those are legitimate issues. But um, the, the landscape has changed, and uh, it, it wasn't supposed to be that's going to be such a topic of this discussion. It was more about do we need a federal law uh, to uh, – Succeed PASPA and basically take this over from the states, and there really wasn't as much of that discussion as there should have been.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I jotted down a bunch of notes of, of things that that stood out to me. Uh, one of them was uh, the representative Goodlat uh, questioning geolocation. I found that ridiculous. You know, five years ago, sure, uh, but uh, I've seen it in action. Uh, it works. Uh, saying it doesn't is to borrow an overused phrase, uh, fake news. Um, so that, that, that was one of the first things that stood out to me. Uh, and I, and I know, you know, you've, uh, Done some explorations on the whole geolocation setup, John, uh, and it, it seems uh, you you caught that as well as, as something that was kind of absurd to be uh, throwing
1: well, yeah, an in front they, of. Well, yeah, I mean, basically, you—that's what I mean. You have sort of the same notes from five years ago, and mm-hmm. you make a little bit of an update. Like, well, I forgot that it's legal now, so I'll just say they allegedly can do this because I don't really know that they can, and obviously they they have. So uh, another sort of downside for this is. Uh, uh, you know, they had an expert from Nevada, which is great. That's fine. But, mm-hmm. um, they've been doing it for 70 years. I think having someone from New Jersey or Delaware or West Virginia or Mississippi, uh, for instance, uh, that would, that would have helped a lot to sort of, you know, David Reebuck obviously be, uh, ideal from New Jersey, but, um, from any of the States really to have someone uh, explain, you know, how it's worked, what's the concerns are, what other States can learn from that. um, do they ever start to think, gee, maybe this is too big for us, the federal government should do it or, you know, whatever. That would have been really interesting uh, insights, I think.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And that, you know, as they've s- said, this is the first of potentially many hearings. Maybe David Rebuck would be invited to a future one. Yeah, certainly uh, some some representative of New Jersey uh, would might make sense. I think of the uh, expert's Panelists, witnesses, whatever you want to call them, that they invited here. Uh, it, w- it was a bit of a mixed bag. Um, the one who uh, I found most irritating was, uh, was Les Bernal, the national director of Stop Predatory Gambling. Um, at one point, it sounded like he was a paid lobbyist for the illegal offshore sports books almost, the way he was uh, uh, seemingly promoting them. But, you know, the juxtaposition between. Uh, his delivery sort of sounding like that preacher warning you about the presence of the devil in your midst uh, versus Sarah Slane representing the American Gaming Association, who was calmly stating a case based around facts. Uh, it was really a, a striking difference. Uh, and it, uh, our colleague Robert Delafave uh, had a tweet that sort of captured that. He, he, tweet, he tweeted, you know, reality parentheses state regulation has worked versus conjecture. Online gambling is the devil. Uh, that that struck me as a, a pretty accurate assessment of of what was going on at this at uh, this hearing.
1: Yeah, I, I understand that, and I think uh, Chairman Sensenbrenner had had a good question for a couple of the uh, guests. Um, you know, why would why would a lot of these people who bet thousands of dollars uh, a week sometimes um, with illegal bookmakers or offshore sites? Why would they even go to the legal site? And unfortunately there's not a great answer for that. I mean, yeah, the deflection was sort of like, well, that's just the reason not to have to, the casino shouldn't have to pay integrity fees because that just puts them up at a bigger disadvantage, but they're already at a disadvantage anyway. And I don't think that, you know, making the odds, if the odds are worse, they're worse. If they're going to get even worse than that, you know, they're not, they're not getting that big uh, player who is uh, very comfortable playing illegally. So uh, that's a really interesting and, Unfortunate problem, and I nobody had an answer for it, and that's not surprising.
0: Right? Yeah. As as you wrote in your piece, uh, which is uh, up on usbets.com right now, uh, even you know Sarah Slane uh, sort of attempted to answer it, but ultimately, yeah, nobody nobody really had a good uh, counter to that one, and and that's why you know there's nothing wrong with I I think conversation. Um, it just you you wish people would come into it uh that that your expert panelists didn't all have these extreme positions one way or the other and and just build their uh, arguments around their predetermined position uh you wish you it could be a little more of an intelligent discussion which i don't think we got a whole lot uh of that at this particular hearing uh, and and as you you know noted this is a rehash of what's been going on in these sort of hearings for years they often go this way: that you don't get intelligent discussion; you just get, "Here's my extreme case, and here's your extreme case on the opposite side of the issue."
1: And this was sort of a, a lobbyist full employment act too. The uh, the uh, the pews were quite filled with uh, well dressed uh, gentlemen, mostly. Uh, who uh, clearly uh, aren't just fascinated by this topic. There's there's a reason they were all there, and uh, so it was all good for them. You know, a lot of billing went on uh, this morning. Let's put it that way. <laughs>
0: right. So so a final note on this, then. You know, spinning it forward and wondering, you know, what what the future holds here, what whether this means anything. Um. You know, my my instinct is to say that this is much ado about nothing. Sort of a first step in a long but probably uh, unimpactful process. Um, but then again, you know, I watched the online poker industry get decimated with a single piece of legislation passed in the middle of the night uh, a dozen years ago. So, so I kind of feel like the takeaway is that we can't get comfortable uh, entirely as supporters of the legal regulated gambling industry. It, it, it feels to me like nothing's going to come of this, but you just never know. Uh, is, do you have a, a different sense of, of where this goes from here?
1: Well, clearly nothing's going to happen until the November elections, and right. um, it seems fairly likely that the House will flip, and it's possible that the Senate will flip. Uh, and if they both do, uh, then it gets interesting. First of all, um, uh, Senator Schumer has talked about uh, federal involvement here, and right. he would be in a, in a bigger position of power. Uh, and then even if that passes, it goes to a president who used to, uh, pre- uh, who used to own uh, uh, several casinos in Atlantic City and whose approach to this is unknowable. I don't know if he would <laughs> sign that bill right. or not. I really right. don't.
0: Yeah, uh, Unknowable is a, is a good word uh, to define quite a few of his positions, uh, I suppose. Uh, but we can leave it at that and move on to uh, story number three. Um, our, our third and final story concerns sports betting uh, in West Virginia. Uh, You had an excellent piece that ran on usbets.com Wednesday morning, John, uh, in which uh, John Cavasini, the president of the West Virginia Gaming and Racing Association, used the word chaos to describe the situation in the state. Long story short, sports betting launched at one of the state's five gambling properties about a month ago in time for the start of college football, and it launched a couple weeks later at the Greenbrier a property owned by the governor of the state, Jim Justice. Uh, things were progressing just fine, it seemed, uh, without the sports leagues collecting so-called integrity fees. Uh, but now, Governor Justice is supporting integrity fees, uh, and uh, Cavasini told you it, quote, borders on an ethics situation. Uh, also, in the last few weeks, West Virginia Lottery Director Alan Larrick resigned, And Lottery Managing General Counsel Danielle Boyd, uh, who sounded so enthusiastic when I interviewed her about a month ago, uh, she got suspended supposedly because she's opposed to the integrity fee. Uh, It's a messy situation all around. Um, So, John, do you think that this tug of war over integrity fees, uh, coupled with Governor Justice's involvement, uh, is a threat to prevent sports betting from really taking off in West Virginia?
1: Well, uh, I'm not an expert on West Virginia politics yet. I'm working on it. Okay, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I think in the end, I, I really have to wonder if the governor may just stand down uh, on this because uh, it's clearly problematic politically. Um, there are all sorts of elected officials who are openly defying him on this and really uh, digging their heels in, uh, and you know there are possible ethical issues here, whether, you know, literally to be, you know, reviewed by board or just, um, sort of, a, 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 an uneasy feeling about it. But, um, you know, he's endorsing a revenue stream for instance, that would give uh, money to every event money from every PGA tour event to the tour, which happens to hold an event at his Greenbrier resort. Right. And, um, what makes it worse is that I do, I do know golf better than West Virginia politics. So, um, the, the Greenbrier tournament is near the bottom of the tour pecking order. So, um, uh, in fact, they're not even having a tournament next year. It'll be back in 2020. Um, but there's no guarantee it's going to be around forever. So it would look like, gee, you know, the tour sticking with them. It's interesting because you know he not in theory he not only gets West Virginia uh, casinos and racinos to pay out, but maybe other states follow West Virginia. I mean, the tour would be pretty grateful for that, I'm sure.
0: Hmm. The the takeaway for me, and you touched on this uh, at the end of your article. Uh, is it seems at least like all of this mess is going to delay the launch of mobile sports betting, which, uh, as we know, seems to be where, where the future lies, where the big money is. Um, so that's that's something to watch for, just whether mobile sports betting takes a while to get off the ground because everyone there is so... Bogged down in trying to get the the current issues straightened out, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it, with with regard to Governor Justice, it, you know, it certainly uh, stinks of of a conflict of interest. Uh, it would seem to me that nobody should own a casino and make the rules that govern that casino. We'll see how it plays out, um, but if by chance integrity fees do end up. Coming into play here, uh, you know, it could really affect sports gambling in a lot of states if one state starts giving the leagues a direct cut. Um, So, yeah, it's it's not a great situation, not a conflict free situation. But um, interesting what you say about how it seems people people are pushing back. People aren't just uh, giving in to, to what the governor seems to want.
1: Yeah, I noticed that. I mean, in New Jersey, everybody pushes back at everybody, but that's, uh, that's Jersey for you. This right. is a little bit of a more genteel state, so when they do this, it really tells me something. Ready to prove how smart you are and win some prizes? It's time for the Gamble On Trivia Question of the Week.
0: Every week on the podcast, we ask a sports or gambling related trivia question. And at the end of every month, we award a $25 Amazon gift card to one listener who has submitted a correct answer. And this is the last podcast of the month, so last chance to get in on the action for September. All you have to do is tweet the correct answer to at U.S. underscore bets and make sure to include the hashtag #gambleon, on and you'll be entered into the prize drawing. Last week, we asked which NFL team is responsible for the two biggest money line upsets in the league since 2003. Our hint was that they both happened in the same season. And the answer is the 2009 Raiders who beat the Steelers as a plus 890 underdog and the Eagles as a plus 800 underdog, uh, behind two legendary quarterbacks, by the way, Bruce Gradkowski and Jamarcus Russell. Uh, Of course, uh, in the seven days since we asked this question, it ceased to be accurate, since last week's Buffalo Bills team scored the new biggest money line upset in the league since 2003. So uh, somewhat prescient timing for us to land on that topic. Uh, In any case, uh, what is this week's trivia question, John?
1: Well, uh, Eric, this week we're going to ask our first daily fantasy sports trivia question, and it's one you might be able to answer just by being good at regular NFL trivia. Uh, in October of 2014, DraftKings ran its first-ever Millionaire Maker Tournament with a million dollars going to first place. The winning entry came from Matt Smith. But who was the quarterback in Matt's winning lineup? So remember, just by knowing who some of the elite quarterbacks were in 2014, you might be able to get this one as an educated guess.
0: All right, uh, and uh, you know, I, I sometimes like to just uh, ask you uh, whether you know the answers. Uh, do you do you have a good guess on this one? I'd, I'd
1: probably say Tom Brady, but
0: okay. Well, I I will not reveal to uh, to the listeners whether your guess is uh, any good or not. But if they want to, uh, just I can
1: confirm that it's a guess.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> so, listeners, uh, make your own guesses, perhaps in line with John's, or perhaps uh, going in a different direction, and uh, you will put yourself in line to uh, to win the September prize
1: it's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling let's get to the gamble on interview
0: We now welcome to the show one of my personal favorite podcast personalities. Uh, I first started listening to him on the Poker News podcast several years ago. You can now hear him talking NFL picks every week on Gridiron Gamble. He's also the operations manager at SharpSide.com. And as of just this month, he's the new managing editor of PocketFives.com. Donnie Peters, welcome to Gamble On.
2: Thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me on.
0: My pleasure, and I should say on behalf of John, our pleasure. We're really looking forward to talking to you. And the place I want to start here, uh, what you've done with, uh, with Gridiron Gamble is really fun. You're part of The Collective, a, a four-person group uh, entered in the Las Vegas Super Contest. Every week, you guys debate your picks and use a system to enter the five picks that best represent the opinions of the whole group. Uh, I believe you guys are 8-6-1 through three weeks this year, so pretty good, top 25%. Uh, I'm curious, do you think you've improved as an NFL better over the last few years thanks to this process?
2: Oh, definitely. I mean, and largely because of the three co-hosts that I have alongside of me, uh, Brett Carlson, Mo Nuara, and Rich Ryan, Uh, just being able to constantly talk sports and sports betting with them, seeing things from other perspectives, them, you know, pushing some advice on me or things that I just don't really think about. Um, Has really helped me overall. I've learned, you know, just generally a lot of different new ways to think about how to approach sports betting, the entire process from start to finish. Um, I would equate it to, I mean, you brought up poker a little bit earlier when introing me that, you know, when you just have that small inner circle of friends that you're able to bounce hands and strategy off of, and it just really helps elevate your game to the next level. I think that this has certainly helped um, with my sports betting ventures. Hmm.
0: And and how many years have you guys uh, been doing the the super contest now? And uh, what what have your results uh, looked like over the years?
2: Well, we've yet to cash. We've been doing it. Our first year was 2015. The whole idea behind it was uh, just just a fun, entertaining take on sports betting. We always kind of just really want to be fun and entertaining, and yes, knowledgeable and insightful. Um, and, and, you know, we can bring that to the table, too. But the entertaining aspect we felt at the time back in 2015, when we were talking about doing this, there was just a lack of like that entertainment value um, around with a lot of the content that was offered. So just overall, the the super contest was something that stuck out to us. We were very bullish on the whole idea behind the super contest, just given our positive trajectory thinking about you know where can sports betting go in the future and if it does get legalized down the road and we all even back then i think we still thought yeah like this is going to happen eventually you know it just might take a lot of time but it'll eventually happen so let's try and get it now on the ground floor and and push through with it um we we had a run early on in that first season where we were uh, top 10 or 15 for uh, a few weeks. Um, but we fizzled out towards the end, still ended up picking about 55%, just over 55% to end the year, but we've yet to cash, but it's extremely hard to cash in this thing. I mean, they, they did up the amount of entries that are, yeah, that are, uh, paid out this year. They went from 50 to a hundred. So a little bit greater percentage of the field, but there's way more entries this year. Right. So it's still equally as hard. Gotcha.
1: Okay. Uh, Donnie, uh, I understand uh, you're declaring the Patriots, uh, dynasty over. And I'm wondering if you could elaborate on that. Um, There's some obvious reasons. You probably have other reasons that maybe people wouldn't think of. And also, uh, how does that play into the, uh, you know, their game against Miami this week and uh, who might win the NFC? That sort of thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, I've been the biggest Patriots truther for quite some time, just in terms of being positive. Everything's going to be all right. No matter what happens, they will right the ship. They will go forward. They will end up. What is it? Eleven and five or better. This year I'm on the under on 11 wins. I I think that the dynasty's over. Yes, I, I still think that, you know, they might win the AFC East. They they're likely going to make it to the playoffs. Um, But to them, that's not how they measure success. And as someone who's a fan of New England, um, I wouldn't measure success as just getting to the playoffs. I know a lot of other franchises, they say, oh, let's get to the playoffs and then we'll go from there. I mean, New England Patriots, this whole dynasty is Super Bowl or bust. And it's win the Super Bowl or bust. Um, I think that they're not going to make it to the Super Bowl this year. I just this the whole everything going on with the organization, not necessarily on the football field, outside of the football field, I think is really playing into what's happening um, just the whole kind of three-headed monster that is Bill Belichick, Robert Kraft, and Tom Brady and how they're all sort of at odds with each other. I think that that started um, last year when Robert Kraft stepped in to basically deny Bill Belichick from moving on from Tom Brady to Jimmy Garoppolo. That's what I believe Bill Belichick wanted to do. I know a lot of people out there believe the same sort of thing. I think Robert Kraft intervened, and that sort of just threw a wrench into the whole system. Um, it's it's amazing that, that it lasted for 18 years now um you know you just you get to be in that sort of relationship whatever it may be and it's amazing that it, it's gone on for that long without any sort of uh you know big things happening or you know you see a lot of stuff and a lot of drama that that filters into a lot of other locker rooms around the league but you never really saw that with New England but this year just feels different i mean you have every other week it feels like there's a new book there's a new magazine article there's a new article online people are dropping notes on social media just about you know, this source said this, or this source said that, and it's coming from, you can tell that it's coming from the different camps that are involved. Well, this one's definitely come from the Brady camp, or this is coming from the Belichick camp. And just that, that they're all at at ends with each other. And it's just, it seems just extremely weird and different. And the way that they've started out this year, you know, they've always been a team who, no matter what happens, no matter how much adversity they face, they, They get down to business and they do their job. That was their motto, you know, do your job. Just no days off, do your job. And this year it feels different. They took a ton of time off in the preseason. Brady showed up late. He didn't seem to care. He was doing the whole family thing. Um, And to me, that's more of a, um, you know, he's just pushing back against Belichick as opposed to just not wanting to do it. I think that's his his way of fighting back. And I think that that's now transitioned into the field where, you know, Belichick hasn't done really good things with the roster, and I think a lot of that is him pushing back on Tom and being like, oh, well, Tom, if you think you're the whole franchise, then you do it all yourself. I'm not going to give you any receiver help. I'm going to draft a running back and a a tackle in the first round and not really addressing any of the team's needs. Looking at the roster, overall, tons of people are hurt. They just have a lack of talent. Julian Edelman is, is, you know, he's out. People are saying, oh, just wait four weeks till he comes back. Well, he's a 32-year-old wide receiver with a – Torn ACL, who's coming off a torn ACL and who just got busted for PEDs, he's not going to be the same guy. And then the the defense just looks like the same old Swiss cheese defense that it's always been. So I just don't see it happening this year at all. Hmm. If
0: indeed this is the end of the Patriots dynasty, then I guess it will go down. that the, It was really uh, my
2: Philadelphia Eagles who effectively ended it. Would you agree with that, Donnie? I would I would agree with that. Yes, I mean that that certainly you know shined a greater spotlight on it all. With you know the Belichick situation where he didn't play Malcolm Butler in that Super Bowl, right. And the Eagles the Eagles just went up and down the field at will. You know if he would have put Malcolm Buck- Butler in, I believe that he would have got at least one stop. And it seemed like all you needed in that game was one stop. The team that got the stop was <laughs> yeah. going to win, and the Eagles got the stop, and the Patriots didn't. Right. Uh, okay
0: so shifting topics here uh, I mentioned uh, in introducing you uh, about the sharpside app um, I know with that you're you're working on uh, algorithms to rank sports bettors. Uh tell us a little bit about how that's going to work and what else we can expect from sharpside down the road
2: so, yeah so the the whole idea behind sharpside and SharpSide.com and the app is you know it's a new outlet that aims to be the home of the sports betting community um, it's under the the roto grinders brand it's brought brought to you by the team that brought you Roto-Grinders, and they are very community-based, very leaderboard-based. So that's exactly what they're trying to do here um, You know, with the, the whole sports betting world. With the app itself, um, it's a free app. It's available now on iOS. Um, Android's going to come in about a month or so, you know, pending any delays. Uh, who knows how that goes at the end of the day. But hopefully within a month we'll have the Android app out, so it'll be available to both parties. And the app is especially great because you can make picks for available sports, um, You can view and give betting advice. You can track your results. You can see how you stack up against other people in the community on the various leaderboards, whether that's an overall leaderboard, whether that's a leaderboard specific to a certain sport. And then hopefully, you know, we hope to take a lot of that data that we get and we collect through the app and, and turn it into some good content. So you can see, you know, if, if Eric Raskin uses the app and, and he's really good at picking the Philadelphia Eagles unders and he's 9-0 when, whenever he picks the Eagles unders, well, then maybe you want to tail him, see his advice, and then... Take that stuff that you learn and go to an actual betting window somewhere and, and place a bet and use that that knowledge to your, you know, to your power. That is a
0: very much a fantasy based hypothetical that you use there. I don't think I'll ever be nine to zero on anything sports betting related. But uh, but uh, yeah, cool. So, sounds like uh, definitely a, a a cool project there.
1: Uh, yeah, I just want to ask you about the legalization of uh, sports betting in states like New Jersey. Uh, there's likely some fans who they they know what a point spread is. They'd see it every week. They might informally sort of make some picks, but they maybe didn't even keep track or, you know, it was just very casual. But now uh, now they're going risk, to risk money and dive into the deep end. And I was thinking of what are a couple of rookie mistakes to avoid. But I, I think of your first answer, too, about, you know, you feel like you've learned some things that you might have had a tendency that, it's kind of human nature, and then you know you've learned from from the the colleagues of yours. so yeah you know, what what uh, what's a typical rookie mistake that uh, that you might be able to help these guys avoid?
2: Yeah, well, I think there's three big things that a lot of betters fall into, a lot of new novice betters. Uh, myself, I fell into this a lot many years ago. I sort of worked my way out of it, as you mentioned, just also dealing with the guys that I talked to on a regular basis. They helped me get out of it. Um, number one, following the public or following the hype, uh, you see that a lot with you know, Everyone's lining up to bet the Patriots every week. Well, the Patriots are the best team. I'm just going to line up and bet them. Well, the sharp bettors will tell you that they can almost just bet against the public, not even knowing what's happening in the game, what the injury reports are, whatever, just fading the public at any turn. You also see this a lot with uh, like HBO's Hard Knocks, a lot of hype around any team that's on that just because they're in in that public eye much more. Um, And, you know, they're always going to try and paint things in a much more positive light than might be reality. So just tend to not follow the public or the hype as much and fade that side of things. Secondary to that, you know, don't panic and don't chase your losses. You see this a lot on Sunday Night Football and also Monday Night Football. With Monday Night Football, you see it. Oh, my God, these people freak out. Oh, my God, I lost 25 units on Sunday. I got to chase it. I got to. I got to, I got to bet the game when I probably don't think that, that I'm going to be finding value in any sort of bet is one part of it. And then also you tend to overextend yourself with how much you're betting, which is another mistake. So I think that that falls into a lot. And then also just betting too many sports or too many games. Once you get into sports betting, you know, you you catch the fever and you want to do it and you want to do it more. It's. You don't need to bet every single game on the slate you know you don't need to bet every single sport out there you don't need to fire up the 12 baseball games tonight you know every single prop in the rams and vikings game and you know then go into sunday and bet every single football game that's on the schedule you don't need to do that you can just pick out you know two or three really good bets that you feel really confident in that you think provide a lot of value and you can just go go that way just just be able to temper yourself you know you know don't don't just go nuts because everyone else is doing it and and overextend yourself because next thing you know you're going to have no money to bet with
0: Really interesting stuff. Uh, thank, thanks so much for joining us, Donnie, and sharing your insights. Uh, I'll note that uh, everyone uh, should download the uh, the SharpSide app, subscribe to the Gridiron Gamble podcast, and you can also follow Donnie on Twitter uh, at Donnie underscore Peters, uh, especially if you want to watch him lose his mind in real time during Patriots games. That's always fun. Uh, so uh, thanks again for coming on, Donnie, and uh, great talking to you.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. I'm a big fan of the show, and it's always a pleasure
1: two men $10,000 will they run it up or blow it all it's time to check in on the gamble on bankroll
0: All right, we will get to the Fast Five in a few minutes, but we start, as usual, with our shared bankroll, where there's a lot to update. Uh, first, a couple of older bets. Uh, $100 on the Washington Nationals at 30-1 to to win the World Series is a loser. Uh, and $100 on Alexander Povetkin to beat uh, Anthony Joshua at 10-1 to odds didn't come through either, uh, but he was doing well through six rounds. I think that proved to be a good bet at the price, but alas, it's a $100 loss. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, you noted the... The, the Brewers uh, at the top of the show, uh, as we were discussing the hearing in d c so a quick update on your brewers bet they're officially in the playoffs. Uh, you got them uh, for us, John, at twenty to one to win the World Series. still a long way to go, but they're down to thirteen to one now so uh, so we 're on the right track there. Uh, as for last week's new bets, uh, I put $110 on the over in the Chiefs 49ers game, and we won $100 there. Uh, that one was decided uh, by the third quarter. You took Texas A&M to finish within 26 points of Alabama, and we got the win there, another $100 profit. You also took Georgia minus 14 against Mississippi, and they won by exactly 14. Uh, so we have our first push uh, of the uh, of the experiment here. Uh, and lastly, you warned me against parlays. I didn't listen. I took the Chiefs, Seahawks, and Texans in a money-line parlay, and just like you predicted, I had two winners and one loser. Uh, the Texans screwed me slash us. Uh, overall, we are down $240, uh, plus we have $1,270 sitting on the shelf in futures bets, leaving our bankroll at $84.90 right now. And John, uh, you're up first uh, this week with your first bet.
1: Uh, yeah, well, I'll go back to, uh, college football, uh, doing okay with that, yep. uh, 2, two oh and one So, uh, Michigan minus minus fourteen and a half over Northwestern. Uh, it's a sad story that Northwestern lost its best running back, Jeremy Larkin, uh, not only for the season, but to retirement he has a serious spinal issue and, and they, they can't risk playing in the game again. So, um, that's very unfortunate. but It's a practical and it's an emotional hit for a staggering Northwestern team. So um, I, I think Michigan, uh, you know, need, needs a a big, big win, and here's the big chance to get it. I'm doing one ten to win a hundred there.
0: Okay. Um, well, I found uh, a couple of NFL futures bets that I like this week. Um, so the first one I'm going to make here is is a long shot bet on play Sugar House. Todd Gurley is listed at plus 1800 to win MVP. Uh, that's a staggering price. You know, at FanDuel, he's only plus $1,000, uh, but on Play Sugar House, Uh, He has the fifth shortest odds behind Rodgers, Breeze, Brady, and Mahomes, but they're all plus 650 or less. Uh, And then there's this huge drop all the way to plus 1800 where you find Gurley. Um, I don't think an injured Aaron Rodgers is a great candidate. Same with Brady, the way things are looking now. Uh, Breeze, yeah, he's a strong candidate for MVP. Mahomes, yes, so far, although he might hit uh, a rookie wall at some point. And I know he's not a rookie, but uh, as a starter, at least, he's in his first year. But Todd Gurley, there are two things I love in his favor. One, the Rams are the favorite right now, I'd say, to finish with the best record in the NFL. They're in a really soft division with the Cardinals, Seahawks, and suddenly garoppolo Niners. A really good chance the Rams end up something like 14-2. and two. Uh, And second, Gurley was the runner-up to Brady last year, uh, and that sticks in voters' minds. You know, if it's close— they might want to give it to the guy who nearly won it last year. So, all things considered, uh, Gurley I think should be about plus a thousand or plus twelve hundred, but he's plus eighteen hundred, so I am jumping on it for fifty dollars to win nine hundred.
1: All right, Eric, I think they call that a value play, and uh you uh you well you well thought it out, at least. So uh even if it doesn't win, at least you well thought it out. So, no, <laughs> for it, what it that's worth. Yeah, and uh all right, my other one, uh do one more golf pick in the finale of the season uh, of tournaments that people actually watch, which is going to end until February. Uh, And this is uh, the Ryder cup, of course. And uh, I'm sorry to say, you got to go Europe over USA in this Ryder cup. Uh, I much prefer the form of the bulk of the Europeans uh, compared to Americans like Mickelson and and Jordan Spieth. Tiger is due for a little bit of a letdown, believe it or not. And he's not as as much a Ryder cup killer that people uh, think he's even at his peak. So I I really like Europe anyway uh, on a neutral course. It's not a neutral course. Uh, The course in Paris punishes big hitting, inaccurate drivers, which the American team is chock full of. And um, so this looks easy. And, uh, you know, any any of the American sportsbooks here, you have uh, Americans being favored on the road against Europe, which is crazy. So Hmm. I'm looking at 200 to win uh, 260.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. That yeah. sounds like a, a pretty good bet, although it does make you a, a bit of a traitor for betting against the USA. Yeah, it but does. yeah, you know it does. you gotta do what you gotta do to pad your fake bankroll.
1: It's not personal, it's business.
0: Right, exactly. All right. So our last bet here, uh, I have another futures bet uh, on the NFL, but a safer one here, a favorite, not a long shot. Uh, The Eagles, uh, not looking terribly sharp to start the season, are all the way down to minus 167 at play Sugarhouse to win the NFC East. Uh, They have the look to me. Of a team designed to peak in November and December, I think they're a better team than what we've seen so far, but despite looking shaky, they are two and one uh, and and I really don't see the Giants or Cowboys catching them. Washington is a little bit of a live underdog, but I'm not terribly concerned. I think this is a good price. I'm risking 300 to win 180 on the Eagles to win the NFC East. And, uh, we wrap up now with the fast five, uh, after week two, you were six and four, I was five and five and you extended your lead quite a bit. Uh, you went two and three in week three to move to a respectable eight and seven. I went an ugly Oh, four and one to slip to five, nine and one. Uh, you're up first this week uh, with your fast five, John.
1: Yeah, I had the, uh, our our worst beat of the year so far in that uh, Raiders offense game, uh, Raiders were getting four and a half points, and they're only down four uh, in the red zone, about three minutes left. And so, a Dolphins intercept in the end zone, which is fine. The Raiders are still covering. All they got to do is try and run out the clock. Instead, there's something up the middle, and it's about seventy, eighty yards for for a covering touchdown. That was that was bad. But let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> right. So, uh, in fact, to move on to uh, tonight, Thursday night. Uh, Vikings getting six and a half points over the Rams. Uh, you know, there's a trend in the last number of years that uh, teams that play on Thursday on the road that go two time zones west, uh, they, they're not winning any of these games. Uh, and uh, that makes sense. You know, the road team on Thursday is under a big disadvantage anyway, but uh, to go two time zones and to go two time zones west is brutal but this time I think the line is finally overreacting to that. The uh, Vikings had a disastrous game last week, but they're way better than that. And um, they're going to show it, I think, tonight. And then next one, I got the bears minus two and a half over the Buccaneers. I like to say, I, I love the lines that are different due to some last minute loss that happened like the bears did to green Bay in the opener. So, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers pulled off a miracle. That's great. You know, he's a hall of famer, but, um, the bears are a good team. And, uh, uh, they're going to show it. Mac is rounding into form, I think. So uh, I, I like that. Um, third one, um, another uh, NFC North uh, lions with getting three and a half points over the Cowboys. Uh, I'll just say the Cowboys uh, star is fading and, uh, and leave it at that uh, hmm. with that pun. Um, fourth <laughs> uh, bills, bills getting two and a half at the Packers. Um, this is a little scary. Uh, the bills are begging for a letdown after that m- miracle crushing of Minnesota. Um, but and so maybe they're due for letdown, but maybe Aaron Rodgers doesn't finish this game either, the way things are gone for him. And if he doesn't finish the game, <laughs> the, the Bills have a shot at an outright win. And finally, um, going Saints, given three and a half over the Giants, uh, who beat me. That was the one game that I got beat up last week. Uh, I give the Giants credit, but um, I still don't see it. Uh, their offensive line is terrible, and um, I don't think they can stop Breeze at all. So uh, those are my five.
0: All right. Well, uh for for the first time, John, we have uh some shared picks. Uh two two out of the five. Uh we actually made the same picks. Although I want to clarify one of yours, I think it might have just been uh misspeaking. Uh I think you said the Bill's line was two and a half. Uh I have uh ten and a half ten written a half. down. Ten okay, eight. Eight. good. I just, either either I misheard you or you misspoke, but okay, we're on the same page there. It is it is <laughs> okay. ten and a half. Okay. Um yeah. so uh before I reveal exactly what my picks are, I'll just note uh two teams I was tempted to take but won't. Uh, One of them would have been in conflict with one of your picks. I was tempted to take the Rams uh, at uh, minus six and a half against the Vikings. I just sort of liked that half point under the touchdown. Um, But, Thursday games can be weird. I decided to just stay away from that one. Uh, I also was tempted to take the Chargers, uh, giving nine and a half to the 49ers who are without Garoppolo and and thus without any hope on offense. But I just don't trust the Chargers coaching staff. Uh, I think they'll win, but it might end up under 10 points, even though it shouldn't. So I'm staying away from those. Here are my five picks. First, I've got the Bengals plus five on the road against Atlanta. Um, I don't necessarily believe in the football outsiders DVOA stat as the be-all and end-all, but it's a helpful guide sometimes. And the Bengals are ranked... Uh, as their number four team in the league in total DVOA. The Falcons are ranked number 27. Uh, I'll happily take uh, Cincy getting five points there. One that we have in common is I'm taking the Bears also uh, at home against Tampa Bay. Uh, The Fitz Magic has worn off. The Bears have a very good defense. Uh, I like that half point. Uh, I I think uh, Chicago will win by a field goal or more. Um, Following the John Brennan plan, uh, as stated uh, last week, uh, I too am taking the bills as a big dog, getting that 10.5 at Green Bay. Uh, I'm reversing my position from last week on the Packers, uh, where I said I thought Aaron Rodgers looked fairly healthy. Uh he does not look all that healthy. I think this line is a point or two wider than it should be. Uh so uh like you, I'm taking the bills on that one. Uh next pick here. Uh, I like the Eagles giving three on the road against Tennessee. Uh, My team is starting to get healthy. Wentz is more or less Wentz. Alshon Jeffrey might be coming back. The Eagles have looked kind of ugly so far, as I discussed with my futures bet on them. Uh, That's keeping their line down here. Uh, But I think they're ready to start rounding into shape against a Titans team that, yeah, they've been winning. I think they have a good defense, but they've been winning even uglier than the Eagles. So uh, I'm putting my money behind my team this week. And lastly... Uh, another three-point road favorite, like the Eagles. Uh, I don't think that the Seahawks are actually all that good, but I think they're a notch above this Arizona team that they're playing. I like Seattle to win and cover. Uh, so if you do well this week uh, in the Fast Five, uh, I'll probably do well too. If you do poorly, I'll probably do poorly too, uh, since we're aligned with each other. I'm rooting for us both to go five and zero, of course. How's that for Me for helping my karma?
1: That that you you might see the difference right there. Okay.
0: all right well that'll do it for this episode of gamble on thanks everybody for listening you can find me on twitter at eric raskin and john at bergen brennan and follow us bets at us underscore bets and head on over to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on soundcloud or on itunes or the apple podcast app and with that john
1: i hand it over to you to take us out uh eric you got to get at least two wins this (laughs) week what else can i tell you Uh, So until next time, everybody, uh, gamble on.